You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program is proudly supported by Kiama Community College. There's something for everyone, from nationally accredited career courses to seniors' computing, languages and lifestyle programs. Hi everyone, my name is Fred Hollis and welcome to this special edition of Tales from the Blue Haven Bus. As you know, this segment focuses on the lives of some of the people that helped establish our beautiful region. Today, our passengers on the bus are three residents of Blue Haven Care, Bonera. Before we start, I'd like to thank Megs Wasson, the Lifestyle Coordinator at Blue Haven Care, for so enthusiastically helping to organise these interviews. Our three residents today are a great example of the experiences that make up our community. Claire Shortus has lived in Jeringong and Kiama for 40 years and is an accomplished musician and writer. We'll hear some of her new book of poetry called Random Thoughts, which will be published soon. Val Best was born in Maroon Meadow in 1931 and has lived in the area her entire life. She was married for 57 years and had her four children on the site where Blue Haven Bonera currently stands. From her balcony at Bonera, she can see the farm where she used to go with her father to work. Sandra Golding has recently appeared in a video made by Coaldale Hospital, talking about how she made the difficult decision to transition into a nursing home, often a very traumatic forced decision. The video is on YouTube and is called Considering Care, Sandra's Perspective. So let's board the bus and hear from our passengers. Our first passenger on the bus today is Claire Shortus. Good afternoon, Claire. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. So a bit of background about yourself. How long have you been in the Kiama area? About nine years now, but before that, 30 years in Gerringong. Born there originally? No, I came from Earlwood in Sydney. And you moved down to Gerringong. Why did you move down there? Well, we followed my parents down because they built a retirement house for themselves down here and we just used to come every weekend. In the end, we couldn't go back hard. It was harder and harder to go back. In that 30 years in Gerringong, whereabouts in Gerringong? The first place was in Brook Street. We were there six years and then we bought a place on three quarters of an acre at the very end of town at the southwestern end. It was beautiful. It was next to the farms and just lovely. Kids all liked it. We had three kids, still have. <laughs> what did you do for a living? Well, my husband was an amputee and he used to make artificial limbs for people. He had a government contract to do that and I was his secretary more or less. Did that for years and years. Very interesting and no two people have got the same story. My husband died 14 years ago. What was your background as far as you know, education? Where did you go to school? Okay, that? I went to school at St Scholastica's Glebe Point, did the HSC, and I also learned piano from six years old till 18 years old, which I still play today. The teacher was a nun, and she never even opened the lid of the piano till about the fourth lesson. She said, I want to get the shape of your hands right first, and when I'm convinced they're right, I'll then open the piano and we'll play something. <laughs> So I did exams every year with the, at the conservatorium. I think I got honours every year except for one and I was sick when I did the exam. And I've always had that love of music. 
My father was the first person to conduct in the Opera House the series of three test concerts, which had an orchestra of 80 and a choir of 120. So he obviously had a, a musical background yeah, as well. Did. Yeah, so he was that mum and mum played too. He played after the war in the RSL clubs, freelance. They didn't have bands as such and they didn't have records or anything. She played that, so I was bound to become a musician in some way or other, but we're all musicians. So from early on you learnt the piano. Yep. And what standard did you get up to? Oh, um, eighth grade. I'm not sure what that means. Well, you used to go to seventh grade, and then when I came along, I said, let's make it on a grade, so it's eighth grade. So what sort of music can you play? Well, in the old days, it was all classical that I was learning. But these days, you've got to practice for an hour a day to keep that sort of thing up. Yes. But I can sit down and play just anything just from sight reading. What about this Sing, uh, Sing Australia? Australia? What your involvement with that? Anyone can join and you just have your local areas of it like Kayama is an area and Wollongong is a separate area and well we used to have it on the practices on Wednesday nights in the High Marsh Park. Tremendous lot of fun. So one of the other interests you mentioned was your writing and so how long has that been going on for? Probably seriously over the last 20 years. See I was at the papers, I was I was at Kaima Independent, Lake Times and The Local, those three things. I was there for five years. And what were you doing there? Well, they employed me as a features writer. When I was there for five years, I said, I think we're going to run off a new lot of business cards and put journalists on it now because you've done the same as anyone that's come to it. So what sort of articles were you writing for those local papers? Well, features a lot, which means that someone might buy advertising and they're promised us so much space in the paper when they send me out to do a story about their business or their new business or whatever. So that's what I used to do. And, and sometimes if someone was away, I'd do some council stories and things like that. So how many articles would you have written, do you think? Oh, I did count it up when I left. I think it was 3,500. Well, that's a so, fair bit of work. The pressure of it was a lot. You had to have everything in by a certain time and oh, to get people to cooperate so that you could get those things in was another story altogether. I mean, writing is my other interest. I've got another book coming out. It's actually a book of poetry. It's about local stuff, all those little stories from Gerringong's, things that have happened to people and no names mentioned, but it's, they're all true stories. Been writing it for 20 years and I just did it because I enjoyed it. And then my brother said, I think it's about time he put all this together in a book. Anyway, that's it. And it's coming so, out on the 27th of March. All individual stories, but I've, I've had good reviews on it. Not boring. What's oh, coming out? Yeah, in we're going to have a, a book launch down in um, Madison Hall. It's called Random Thoughts. It doesn't follow a pattern or doesn't begin at the beginning and end at the end. It's just different things that happened. Claire has bought us some poems to read, just a couple of the ones that she's got. So the first one is called... The Great Career Change. Late 1900s and feeling like a career change. A job as a features writer seemed like a challenge. I dreamt about one day making a great headline and I'd grow to know the meaning of the word deadline. From Kiamas Journo Cottage we kept the public informed. A happy bunch of writers with noses to the ground. Between us, and often with many great frustrations, we managed to produce three weekly publications. I interviewed everyone from various walks of life. 
from the big entrepreneur to the average housewife, when one day a request came and quite out of the blue to meet and speak to a man with a certain point of view. I arrived as arranged as the clock struck four. The secretary got up and promptly walked out the door. So it was just me and him, no one else around, as I sat taking notes in my own shorthand. The talk's going well, then halfway through, we had a request as many often do. Could you please stop writing for a moment or two? That's what I've got to say I don't want printed by you. A man in his fifties with gingery hair? What secrets can he thrust upon me right now and here? Perhaps a rocky road in life, a bit of strife or bother? I've just done 20 years for murdering my mother. <laughs> my heart started pounding vigorously in my chest as my impending fate was something I could only guess. If he's done the old girl in in some grisly way, then what on earth would he do to me on this gloomy day? I'd look for the door the fastest escape route, but somehow I would have to get past this big brute. I know I've had some imperfections myself, that is true, but please, only when my time is up, decades on is due. My composure regained, I soldiered on to write an edited story. As for that moment of terror, I would be sure to get no glory, but it helped to weave a web in the complexities of life as I lived to tell the story and hence kept out of strife. <laughs> That's spectacular. And it's true. After that, I talked to him about half an hour. It was fine. I really right. enjoyed his company. I thought he had the worthwhile part in the community. So the next poem is called The Piano, and it's a true story. Mm -hmm. The Piano. It was given, given to Betty in 1924, a great talent she developed, therefore, as a freelance performer at many a site, at a dance party or a sing-along night. A treasured possession in the family it became, to her children a place of value it claimed. As each aspired to musical ability, it took its place in the home with humility. Till one day, and quite out of the blue, a ring at the door, three men in view. Of Mediterranean descent it was clear to see, that they meant business as plain as can be. We're here for the piano, so move aside, we spoke to you this morning, in tones they cried. You sell us the piano, we get cash you see, as you say on phone to my brothers and me. Now listen here, gentlemen, you'll do no such thing. You didn't speak to me, my telephone didn't ring. My father in black and white laid it down straight. You made no deal with me on this day, mate. <laughs> we come to a 78 Wallow Street, they said in shades fiery, and we'll come in to make further inquiry. You'll do no such thing as a public phone, my father said in a definite tone. Then the penny dropped as often before. They were clearly at the wrong front door. This is the avenue and not the street. It's another man you're supposed to meet. So if they went with nothing further to say, and still talked about to this day, as the time the piano was all but lost for a song to those men of very little cost. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. This is a complete change of pace. It's called Panda Panda from Uganda. I wrote this for my granddaughter on the occasion of her fourth birthday. These words just swam around in my head and I couldn't get them out. She has a panda bear that she just adores. Okay, Panda Panda from Uganda. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda Panda from Miranda. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda Panda from Yakandanda. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda Panda from Jacaranda. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda Panda from the veranda. 
Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda, panda, from Gilgandra. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda, panda, from Oleander. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? Panda, panda, from Karanda. Is this where you come from, pandas, my friends? None of those. We're from China. (laughs) (laughs) We might leave it there. Thank you very much, Claire, for Mm. your time today. Thank you. KiamaCommunityRadio.org Our second passenger on the bus today is Val Best. Well, good afternoon, Val. How long have you been in Benera Blue Haven? Only since 5th of October last year, and it is absolutely excellent care. I couldn't be anywhere better. It is wonderful. Whereabouts were you living? Well, I was born in Maroo Meadow in 1931, so I'm 89 now. I'll be 90 in July. My father and other and father were buying the farm and they lost the farm in the depression. So mum and dad and just my brother and I, we had to go and live with dad's mother and father who was working a farm at Omega. Dad got a job at the steelworks, so we went to Wollongong. But then he was always a farmer, and we went back to Jarera, Charlie Chittick's farm. The house we were in is now underwater in the big dam out there. Oh, okay, right. Then we came to Kiama to did Eddie Stewart's farm, managed that for a while. So we've seen a lot of changes. But however, we had a good life as children. I went to school at Omega and the building's still there. When you start to go down after all the bends, and yes. start, it's just on your left. Beige coloured building and on the I left. I think, end. yes, it's yes. like a home. And it's an old, a really old homestead. Yes, it is. That used to be a school. Oh. And Amiga itself was a suburb that was there and no longer exists. Well, exist. it was there, just farmers, and there was yeah. a railway station. Right. And then after Omega, I went to Gerrera School, right. which isn't a school anymore either. They were good years. And then I was at Kiama School from when I was about seven till 15, but only went to year nine. It was a school certificate. A school certificate. So what did you do after that? Did you go out to work? Yes, well, I was really lucky because the job in Kiama in those days was a doctor's order, a dentist. And anyway, Mr. King asked me to go and see him because yeah. I'd had several trips to him and asked me if I'd like to work for him. Was this a doctor or a dentist? A dentist. Edie Robertson was getting married and in those days if you got married you had to leave work oh. to go and look after your husband. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. And they were good years there. And then I had 18 months on the telephone exchange at the post office I'd met Treble best along the way. Every Sunday when I came out of church, he just happened to be walking past. Ah. And we got to know each other. <laughs> and it's funny how those things happen. A funny thing happened. <laughs> yes, he said to me one day, when are you going to take me to the pictures? <laughs> oh, <laughs> However, mm-hmm. we, you know, were to... Friend, good friends, yep. and very close. And I was married, I was 20, and he was 22. 
We had 57 years of wonderful life together, had four children. The first one was a boy, Gary, who mm. everyone knew him as Mr. Kayama, but he was born with spina bifida and they said he wouldn't live 48 hours. And after a month he was in hospital, I thought I could do for him at home. He had disabilities, mm. but loved to do things for people. And I've always been involved uh, uniting church. The minister was there then, knew Gary was interested in cars, and got him a position with Mr Jack Wilson, who had to go to a lot of trouble to get special permission for insurances mm. for Gary. Mm -hmm. And that's so I've always been so thankful to those people that did so much to help us. Gary was 48. He got sick with cancer and he was gone within three weeks and six days, which I could never understand. But in hindsight, it was a blessing. It is, yes. Because my husband then got Alzheimer's and I looked after him for six and a half years. Then, then he had to go into care. Gary died in 2002 and Trev in 2009. I've got one daughter, she lives in Kiama. She wouldn't be a kilometre away, Karen, that's a middle daughter. The eldest daughter living in Cairns and my other daughters at Broome. They've all got a good brain and done well. But however, we're a happy family, it was quite good. Trev did a lot in the surf club. He was president there, he's made a life member there. Trev rode in the Kiama surf boat. They won the state championship about in 1960, I think. He rode in the surf boat for about 40 years. And Joe Haig, who was one of the other five, he's in the room opposite me at Bonera now. He and Trev rode in the same crew for ages. And Margrave and I got together one day and decided to start catering by volunteering for the surf club. We used to cater for weddings and balls and made quite a lot of money to help them build that new surf club. But the surf club and the church were big interest and Blue Haven. Six months after Trev passed away, I decided I'd volunteer and I did that till I had a stroke five years ago. After I had the stroke, I started to get help at home. They were wonderful. They were Blue Haven. So I've been very lucky and ended up here with a nice room and nice people and so many old locals here too that I've known for years. Four children were born on the site here where we are now of the Kiama Public Hospital. So it was sad to see the hospital down, mm. but wonderful to see what's here now. Yeah. It is beautiful. You could never wish for anything no. better. You've lived in this area your entire life, basically. What I was saying when we came to Chittick's Farm, now where I am in Bonera, when I go out onto the balcony, straight ahead I look up at the hill, big grassy hills. It's where I used to go with Dad working on the farm. Wow. Yes. One of your early homes. And when I walk around Barul House, there's two parts I can stop and I can see my home on Pheasant Point, I can see it. Thank you very much, Val, yes. for giving us your time and sharing your history with yeah. us. That's all right. 
Kiama Community Radio. For the community, by the community. And our final passenger on the bus today is Sandra Golding. Well, hello, Sandy. How are you going? I'm very well, thanks, Fred. So just to start off with, you were born at some point, can you? Yes, in Crown Street in uh, 1940. Yes. I lived in Marrickville right up until I was married when I was 20 years old. I didn't have much of an education though. I hated school from the day I stood outside the infant school door waiting to go in to sit on the floor. All I could think about was, please, when can I be a big girl where I wouldn't have to go to school? I left school at 14 and a half because I didn't like it so much and I wasn't doing any good. Uh, the head sister said, I think it's a good idea that you take Sandra out of school. So Dad said to me when he came home that afternoon, don't think you're going to sit around the, <laughs> lounge, the house all day, no, kid. He said, no. you're getting a job. Your mother will take you to the social welfare tomorrow. And I got a job the next day in Bond's clothing or something. Where did you go to next? Fitzroy Electroplating in Marrickville, switchboard and typing. And then I left there because I'd got engaged. And then I got married when I was 20. I also worked at Marrickville Hospital. I was in my early 20s when I was working at Marrickville Hospital. And I left there to come down here. And then I was working there for about three and a half years at Kiama Hospital. And then I went into Jack Wilson, who had the murder Holdens in Kiama. Oh, yes. So I worked for him for about 20 odd years. What were you doing there? I was car detailer, so I really enjoyed that. I just loved being with people. When I was in the nursing homes and hospitals, I was able to do for them where they couldn't do for themselves. I was always in work. I was never out of work. I went from one job to another. So you were doing this car detailing until you retired? And looked after my mum and dad for 18 years as their carer. My mum had Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's. After they passed away, I moved into Blue Haven Retirement Village. And as time went on, the caretaker was there at the time. She asked the man if I could do a news board. I told them that I'd have a camera and wherever I went and I saw anything that would be interesting, I'd take it and put the photo up on the board and the story right. about it. So then the caretaker said, well, you're doing all this, you should have a name. And so that night I was watching TV and the Busy Bee come up on the TV. That's what I'd be, I'd be Busy Bee. And I was I was dressed up as a bee with the bubbles on the top and I had the football socks and a little choo-choo and everything. When we'd have our luncheons, after lunch had finished, we'd have different ones entertaining and I used to go around and say, I'm a busy little bee, a bus here and there, won't you come the bus with me? And that, I used to do that around the tables where they were sitting having their lunch. We'd give everybody a laugh. Other people thought I was gone around the twist or <laughs> a bit. Every time we had a function, I was dressed up as either the Easter Bunny or Father Christmas or whatever. And the Busy Bee ones, I used to get all the people that come to the lunch. The only way they were allowed in was they had to get dressed up with something with, to do with Busy oh, Bee. Yeah. So it was quite hilarious then to see them turning up. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. As long as you can laugh at yourself to hell. You were entertaining people, weren't you? Mm. Making them feel more comfortable. Yeah. That's a lovely thing to do. So So how often did you put on these little performances? When I first started, I think I put them on every couple of months and I'd have about 62 residents. So it grew and grew and grew. So we ended up, the caretaker said, 
you can't be doing this on your own, we'll make it a $10 meal. So she spoke to the manager. So we used to put it on, if there was like Christmas or Easter or something like that, then we decorate it all up for whatever the occasion was. And then when I got sick in Blue Haven, all the years that I'd been looking after my sisters in the nursing home. So then with her and mum and dad, and other things that personal that had happened in my lifetime, everything just sort of built up and I got to the stage where I wasn't worrying about myself. Mm -hmm. So then they put me in Shell Harbour Hospital and then from there into Coldale Hospital. Mm -hmm. So then when I got to the rehabilitation, I had different doctors coming to me and they said that I was able to help myself because I could see that I needed help and I was willing to ask for it. Whereas they say a lot of people, elderly people, not always all that old, that might have to go into a nursing home, they won't accept the fact mm. and they can't take it. Yeah. When I was at Coldale, a lady there that was working in Health Alliance in a physio department, she wanted to do a video on me and answer questions of my life. It's on YouTube and social media. And it's called Inspiring, yeah, is it? it's done through Coldale Rehabilitation Hospital. They've said they've had a very good response and I've just got a letter this week from Sam that did it and she said that she's been putting it on every two weeks now because people that were finding it very hard to accept the idea of going into a nursing home, now she said she's finding it an inspiration for these people and they have a good long talk about how I had such strong willpower. And I said in the video that when you're finding it hard to make your mind up, don't sit back in the corner, don't yes. sit back in the corner waiting for somebody to come and say you've got to go into a yes. nursing home. You do it on your own so that you've made your mind up. So many sort. people actually wait too yeah. long and it's all rushed at the That's end. That's what Sam said. Fabulous so legacy, isn't it? At 78, I'm, I'm quite proud of well myself. Well done. Fan <laughs> that is fantastic. So one question I was going to ask you is, if you had any advice for young people for a long and happy life, what would you think that advice would be? If you're married or anything, you must always work together. Don't pull apart, one going one way and one going the other. It won't work. No. You've got to go together. Remind yourself that the person that you're with, they have their ideas and what they think's right. Thank you so much for that. And thank you've had you a great time. To, to an old duck. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much for your time. Nice, thank you. And that brings to an end our special episode of Tales from the Blue Haven Bus. Thanks to our special guests, Claire Shortus, Val Best and Sandy Golding. And before you go, remember what Mark Twain said, age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Hello, I'm Candy Anderson from Kayama Community Radio. Join me every Friday for What's On in the Kayama LGA for the following week. Our purpose is to keep you updated with events and activities that will get you out and about and connecting with people and places in our fabulous area. If you have an event that you would like to tell the community about, email us on kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I look forward to having you tune in soon and perhaps making our weekly What's On your regular go-to place for keeping in touch with people, places and happenings in the Kayama LGA.
You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.